0: Welcome to the Lake Superior Podcast. I'm Walt Lindela.
1: And I'm Frida Wara. We are made stronger by story, and there's no better source than the continent's largest body of fresh water, Lake
0: Superior. So join us as we highlight the five national parks that ring this greatest of the Great Lakes, meet the people, tour the places, and learn about the projects that make these parks and body of water so remarkable.
1: This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications.
0: Welcome to the Lake Superior podcast. I'm Walt Lindela, And
1: I'm Frida Wara. And Walt, you know Lake Superior is the largest lake in the world by surface area. Mm -hmm. We've got 31,700 square miles. But did you also know, Walt, that it's the oldest around Lake Superior is the oldest and largest lava flow on Earth? And it's right in your homeland, sir.
0: I have an idea. This is the Keweenaw, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And the volcanic activity produced the only place on Earth where you can find 97% pure native copper.
0: And today, we're going to get to learn more about it because we're going to be talking with Windeth Davis, who is superintendent of the Keweenaw National Historical Park. It's one of our five national parks on Lake Superior. And in sake of not getting too uh, formal, Windeth, we'll just introduce you as everyone knows you. Welcome, Wendy, to the program. Good to have you.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: You know, um, we've been talking about the Keweenaw National Historical Park here as we're getting ready, getting ready to record and talk about this and... Tell us a little bit about it. What's the history about it, and and, and where are you located?
2: The park itself is on, I like to say, it's on the Upper Peninsula of the Upper Peninsula. If you can look around um, anywhere around you and see a map of the United States, you can probably see the Keweenaw Peninsula without even having to get up and walk across the room. It's a little finger of land that sticks up from Michigan into Lake Superior. And um, it's, a, it's a magical, magical
0: place. Yeah, I'm actually fairly familiar with it because I am born and raised in that area uh, in Chassel, just south of Houghton, which is in the Keweenaw Peninsula. And uh, it has a unique history, to say the least, geologically and in the industry of, of America. But I understand you've said it's not an easy way or not the easy way to be a national park. What do you mean by that?
2: when um, the park was established in nineteen ninety two um, it was established as a different kind of park than maybe people think about when when they they think about national parks like um, like the grand canyon or or glacier um, this national park was established to be um, to be a partnership park and uh, the the way that um, Senator Carl Levin, who played a huge part in the establishment of the park, described it was was a park that's done by people at the grassroots level. So so it's similar, in a sense, um, to other parks, to local parks, because uh, private properties and park properties are all intertwined. The federal government doesn't just own a big block of land, um, and that's the park. Um the public property and the private property are kind of inextricable. So so it's hard to say, well, the park is right over there, because the park is really inside all of us. Um, there's There's an advisory commission that was established at the same time as the park was, and that commission helps keep us grounded to the history in this area and helps connect the federal part of the park to... Twenty-one heritage sites, which are scattered all along the peninsula, from the very tip of the peninsula down beyond um, Ontonagon. So we're, we're tied together by that commission, but there are people who, who own stores and houses and live in the park, and they're really not part of the park, literally, but they're,
1: they're not owned by the park either. <laughs> it, it covers four counties? Wendy, so you're the Keweenaw, Houghton, Barriga and Ontonagon. Yes. Yeah. If you, so,
2: yeah. The, the heritage sites cover cover parts of four counties.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So managing that when I when I think about your staff and managing, it's very different than what we think of in a national park.
2: It really is because because managing is a group effort instead of you know one effort. And, and we all have to work together in order to be successful in telling the story of the Copper Country. So, so it's very different um, than, than most other national parks.
0: We're talking with Windeth Davis, who is superintendent of the Keweenaw National Historical Park in the Copper Country. Uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with this area because I'm born and raised up there. But for someone that is a first-time visitor, maybe they've never been there before, what, what do you tell them?
2: I tell them to see as much as they can see, um, to sit down and, and look at a map and get an understanding of what there is to see, check the, the website of the park and, and the advisory commission to find out where all these heritage sites are because they're, they're not all in one place, but each one of them has a piece of the story to tell. And as people move... From one end of the peninsula to the other, whether they're you know hunting or looking at fall colors or exploring waterfalls woven in amongst all of that are these are these places that that tell michigan's history and and tell american history so um i I guess I just tell people to look at those sites and find one that matches their interest and go there. And then find one that they really
1: don't think they'd be interested in and go there, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good. That's good.
1: And then the whole scope of what this region meant basically to the world. Yes. I think that sometimes what we miss
2: locally because we're so caught up in the local impact of the story that we forget that it is copper that that brought most of this country out of the age of um, lanterns to the age of of light bulbs. So the wiring that connected people to electricity, most of it came from the copper in the Keweenaw. Copper is kind of a connecting thread that flows through the stories of people and places that you would not even expect um, if you were standing here on the ground.
0: We're talking with Wyndeth Davis, who is superintendent at the Keweenaw National Historical Park, uh, on our podcast today. Uh, this is, uh, a, so far as you have described it, an unique park and unique location. How did you end up there?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm not a local, so um, so I stand out up here. I um, I grew up in the Willamette Valley of Oregon. Um, both sides of my family had a very strong connection to family history, and, and my father was a costume designer and a director and college professor, so we spent a lot of time in the theater um, learning about the past, tying the past to the present, uh, watching people create things that connected to other people, either artistically or emotionally or intellectually. So that fascination with the past um, led me to become an archaeologist. And I became an archaeologist after I got my master's degree um, up in Alaska with the National Park Service and met my first copper mine, the Kennecott mine out in Wrangell St. Elias. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I moved from, from archaeology into education and interpretation and uh, developed a lot of distance learning programs for the Alaska region. Um, with PBS and South Carolina Educational Television, uh, that brought kids to those parks, even if they lived at the other end of the country. And it doesn't seem like very much now. At the time, it was a big deal because we really didn't we didn't do that a lot. Um, in fact, I was also on the first um, web team for the Park Service, um, and and at that time, there were some some superintendents in Alaska who said this park is never going to have a website. <laughs> um, and we can kind of laugh at that now, but the thinking at the time was, no one understood at the time um, what, the, what the World Wide Web really was or where it was going. And so, so it was a little bit intimidating. And the parks are based on being in the actual place where you can see the actual thing. And I think the, the feeling was that if we let people see it without coming, um, without being in the place, that that maybe they wouldn't come. Um, that if they could see these amazing places through their, their computer screen, that they would, they would never come. Now we know, right, that people see it on the screen and then they say, oh, wow, I've got to go stand underneath that amazing sequoia tree and see how tall it really is compared next to me or... You know, there's the, the largest hoist, uh, steam hoist in the world there at the Quincy Mine on the Keweenaw Peninsula. How big is that really? I want to go see that. So so we know it didn't work that way. Uh, but I moved from there to the Washington office and was the education coordinator for the National Park Service and an interpretive planner for the National Park Service out of our Harper's Ferry Design Center, it's kind of like the design brain for... For the Park Service and was helping lots of parks plan their visitor experience. And a call came in to come up to the Keweenaw and work with the heritage sites to help them develop interpretive plans. And that's how I met this place and absolutely fell in love.
0: Windeth Davis with us uh, today, the superintendent of the Keweenaw National Historical Park. Uh, And and Frida and I were talking just a little bit before we went on that. Basically, this is pioneering electronic field trips. These are the kinds of things that we're kind of used to now. You were doing that in Alaska, and this is a perfect tool for the era in that we're in right now where we can't go to places. How, how are you using that idea, maybe that technology today with the Keweenaw National Historical Park?
2: One of the cool things we're doing today is is we're taking another step out onto the um, frontier of, of digital learning with, with the park and we're looking at games. Um, the, the game we've been working with is Minecraft mm-hmm. which allows uh, players to build things with little cubes kind of like Legos only it's it's all electronic, it's all in the computer and we've got a great team of people who are actually going through researching historic structures in Calumet and building those buildings in this digital world mm-hmm. so that you can go and explore them electronically. That's kind of the very edge, <laughs> the very edge we're pushing now um, because electronic field trips have sort of become
1: common now. <laughs> yeah, They're the norm. Fascinating. And then of course, tying them to the folks that probably were going and building way back, you know, looking at what the whole beginning of the Copper Country and the, the industrialization and all the movement that was happening so these kids really get a chance. Because I'm just making an assumption, maybe that's not right, that they would be a younger visitor, but hallelujah that we can attract more youth to our national parks.
2: How many young people do we, on a regular basis, get to, you know, attach to, you um to original drawings of these buildings so they can you know explore those and learn more about them and you know just all of the archival resources that these kids are using in order to be able to create these things is, is amazing.
0: Wendeth, one of the things that I'm hearing here is a lot of, of of history, a lot of things that are are focused on, you know, looking back and and, and interpreting it and having it available as a resource for people in the modern uh, era here. Uh, but are there projects maybe that you have that are, are happening either over the winter months or things that may be coming even toward the summer months that uh, you can talk about? I know everything's kind of Fluid these days, and you know, in terms of events and whatnot. But are there any particular things that you're doing at the park right now that are embracing the the history, but you're building something for the future?
2: Yeah, there are, and and one of the one of the biggest of those projects that we're working together on now is um, a curatorial storage facility that will that will hold the the items that tell the story of not only. Um, one on National Historical Park, but also of Isle Royal and Pictured Rock. Um, this facility uh, is going into a, a huge <laughs> warehouse that was um, warehouse number one of the Calumet and Hecla Mining Company right in Calumet. Um, and we're, we're in the process of developing a design for that building that uh, that will allow us to maintain the building, and even provide some um, some exhibits inside about how the building was used and what it was like to to work for the company, and also provide a state of the art facility for the preservation of those resources that are right now you know in need of a place to to live.
1: Wendy, have you, to, it, have you had to have some specialized help with that? Some architects that are historically, you know, specific, I guess, to the property.
2: Absolutely. The um, weirdly enough, um, because of the way the park is set up to operate, we provide technical assistance to all of the 21 heritage sites. So that means if they need assistance with historical architecture or landscape architecture or curatorial. Uh, museum collection services or um, history or archives, we have to have professionals on the park staff who can, um, can deal with that and help um, help them achieve their goal of, of telling their part of the story. So, so we do have kind of a weird staff for a national park um, made up of, of these highly skilled professionals. So they help. But we also benefit from um, the Park Service experience over, over its many years of existence in terms of building these territorial facilities and what it takes and what not to do. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so that's
0: really helpful, too. And I'm sure that you're also kind of under the auspices of being an a, a, a historical site. You have to follow, you know, you can't come in and put an ultra-modern space in. It has to follow sort of the aesthetic and the understanding of the way it was to maintain that feel, correct?
1: That's one thing yeah. I, I know when I visited your headquarters, I have so appreciated how closely and just paying, you know, tight, tight attention to the historical reverence for those buildings. They're amazing.
2: It really is amazing. Yeah, we don't have the the complete freedom to just do what we want with these with these buildings. Each of them has um, has been surveyed really carefully, and the character-defining um, aspects of those buildings, the things that make them important historically, have all been documented. And so, when we do uh, when we do work in a building, we need to be careful that. We either are not having an impact on any of those important features of the building or that um we're doing it in a way that's reversible so mm-hmm. but the headquarters building is really amazing it's for for those who haven't seen it it's a combination of brick and stone on the outside that is just striking even from a distance, and then the interior has been redone much in the way that that it was when it was the headquarters of the Calumet and Hecla mining company. So there's, there's not a time when I walk into my office that I'm not struck by the fact that this, this was once the office of of the president of the company and, and I need to treat it
0: (laughs) with respect. (laughs) Can folks log onto your website to see at least what you can give them updates on? And what is that website?
2: The website is the best place to look. It, it is NPS as in nationalparkservice.gov, G-O-V, and then a, a forward slash, and Kiwi, K-E-W-E.
0: So thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it, Wendy.
2: Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to have an opportunity to, to lift up the work that the whole community of Keweenaw National Historical Park is undertaking.
0: Well, it's Wendy Davis. Wendy Davis, of course, superintendent at the uh, Keweenaw National Historical Park. Frida, and you know that's that's the stories there. Of course, you know I have an affinity for them because they're from where I am from. I know a lot of these stories and a lot of these places. But you know, th- th- there is something to be said of going to a place like this where it is more than just you know a green space. This is actual concrete and and sandstone buildings you can touch, and it can get into your head into your into your consciousness.
1: You know, everything from the Honka farmstead all the way to the Italian Hall. Mm-hmm. There are so many places there. And another thing that they're working on is to have some trails because it's a great place just to go. Whether you're going to be mountain biking, Copper Harbor, mm-hmm. you know, that quaint little drinking town with a biking problem. I love that. Uh, or Or just, you know, visiting around and you can still go underground. How wonderful to take the family this year on an underground Quincy Mine Tour mm-hmm. and see, just get an inkling of what it was like to forge that copper. And I love how Wendy said, from lanterns to light bulbs, that's what the Keweenaw was for our country and, yeah. and for the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. there has been a great chat with Wendy. And of course, we encourage you to find out more about the Keweenaw National Historical Park and all the national parks around Lake Superior. It's gonna do it for us this time around here on the podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. Frida Wara. And we will see you again soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: The National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation, NPLSF, is the only official nonprofit 501 fundraising partner of the National Park Service for all five U.S. national park sites on Lake Superior.
0: To learn more about NPLSF projects and programs, you can visit the website at nplsf.org or friend them on Facebook. I'm Frida Wara. And I'm Walt Lindela. Thanks for listening to the Lake Superior Podcast.
1: This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications.